Well, good morning, everybody. In the absence of our regular minister, Kelly Carter, and our second minister, Dustin, who's traveling away in third place, you seem to get me this morning. No PowerPoint, no nothing. It's just um, what you get. Um, we have many visitors here this morning, and I, I just particularly wanted to acknowledge a couple of people. Just uh, First of all, we have Ray and Ellen McMillan here, who this congregation has long supported in their work in India. And um, you've recently returned from celebrating your 50th wedding anniversary, right? We saw all the photographs, beautiful photographs, and uh, I think you had a child wedding. I've got to figure that um, by the photographs, but you looked very happy, and it, and it was a real pleasure to uh, be able to, to share in that, and it's great to have you with us today. And look, this is a lot of your brood, isn't it? Quite a few of them, yeah, my dear, that's what 50 years does. And then... Um, and I wanted to, and Ron and Ardith Rothwell are over here, who are really, really quiet people and who would quite happily come into this congregation and leave again. And if only the closest friends spoke to them, they'd be more than happy because they're really quiet people. And uh, my association with them goes back nearly 40 years. But one of my very, very best real estate stories comes out of Ron and I together when we broke into a house that wasn't even for sale and I tried to sell it to him. And so um, it, was, uh, it was great. But it's great to have you here and all of you who are visiting with us today. We are delighted to have you. And thank you for setting time aside on your Sunday to be here with us. <clears throat> so how was Christmas this year? Yeah, you see, you see the instant um, emotion that comes from that. Like some of you, great, clapping hands, you know, smiles. And others, you had that grimace on your face and said, oh, thank you, Lord, that it's over. It's just finally we've got that, uh, that out through the system for another year. Have you noticed how reality and expectations don't always match? Like we have expectations, probably, probably 90, 95% of our life, in terms of our communication with others, we come to it. We come this morning with expectations. And we have a certain, if, you, if I said, what's your expectation of this morning? And you said, well, it's about a six out of ten, six and a half, I'm a little tired, and you know, I mean, I'm in a strange place, whatever, I'd rather be home in bed. But we have expectations. And then this morning's experience, the reality, will be another measure. And so much of our life we go through this process of finding that reality is not matched by expectations. But the thoughts that I want to bring you today are not going to be about expectations. It's just a favorite topic of mine to, to consider. But we're going to talk about regrets. And regrets last Sunday of the year, a bit of a depressing sort of, I don't want to talk about regrets. I mean, what do we, we don't want to regret things. Let's get that aside. But The discussion is going to be on regrets. And to do that, what I'd like to do is introduce three gifts of Christmas. Not the three gifts of the wise man, wise men, but rather three gifts that Jesus brings us. And this is predicated, I should tell you, this lesson on a reflection from a conversation that I had with J. Don Rogers when he was here last, uh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I phoned J. Don on the Tuesday after he was here And I said, Don, tell me how you segue between giving people blankets and the gospel. Like, I I mean, I, I, I think what the work he's doing is wonderful. But the greater work, of course, is the sharing of Jesus. And how do you segue from that? And he shared a couple of things with me, but he says, fundamentally, people tell their story. 
And you may remember that one of the people uh, reflected in the, his story last Sunday, or two, two Sundays back, was a fellow who had been part of the mafia. And he'd come to Christ. And that's a great story, and it's something to talk about. But I haven't been part of the mafia, and I haven't been a criminal, at least not in terms of that I've been punished for, and, and I've come to Christ. So what's my story? And, and in, a, in a really crass way, I, I reflected kind of... <clears throat> What's Jesus done for me lately? Which you might say, well, that's a wicked thought, but I was trying to understand what is, what, what do I tell somebody? What do I tell one of my friends? If I get into a conversation at the office, what is it that I tell somebody that Jesus does in my life every day? I give thanks for my food, but the food's in the refrigerator. It's not a miracle. It's already there. Now, could you could, yes, it's a miracle that you can work and you can have money and you can have all those things. I get that. But I'm being crass about this because I think most Christians today struggle with the segue. We don't know how to evangelize, and yet we all know we have to evangelize. It is a God-given instruction to share our faith. How do we do that? And what's the connection? And can, can, can you do it in the Ukraine? Can you do it in India? And what's the segue to me sitting in the office talking to somebody? What do I say to them? And that's what this is predicated on. These three gifts will never go out of style, never need batteries, break down or lose interest. Three gifts that Jesus came bearing that will last the whole year through. I wonder if you have any regrets lingering from Christmas. Things said that you wished you hadn't said. Things unsaid that you wished you'd said. Things done that, oh, if you could go back, you would just not do them. And things that you wish you had done. We live with regrets even through Christmas, but what about the year of 2014? Will it pass in a couple of days with regret in your heart? We don't talk about regrets a whole lot. We barely talk about our sins, which we're commanded to do. But regrets, kind of, isn't that a bit wishy-washy? You know, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how much money you have, how old we are, who our parents are, where we came from or where we think we're going. We all have things in our lives that we regret, that we would do differently if we could just go back but we can't. Some regrets are so simple. I ate too much pie. I was driving over the speed limit. I sat on the cat. Are simple regrets. Not if you're the cat. But, uh, but others are so complicated. If you committed adultery and it burns within your heart. If you stole something that you know you, didn't, you weren't entitled to. If you gossiped about somebody that brought them pain and suffering by your actions. Most are in between. Most are somewhere between those two extremes. But what do we do with them? What do we do with our regrets? Regrets regrets are like a cancer in our lives. Something we said, something we didn't say, an action that we shouldn't should have taken or shouldn't have taken. Year by year, the regrets accumulate. 
as our life slowly ticks along. We cannot change the past, and so often we cannot fix the past. So we live year by year, quietly nursing an ever heavier accumulation of regrets. Listen to this story. I have one regret. I've been carrying it heavily for 40 years. Since I was 15 years old, it's never gone away. Just the pain after a few years lessened and became more manageable. Regrets. Where do we store them? If you contemplate, if you sort of do this new age thinking for a moment that is so encouraged these days and which is such a stress on spiritual reality. But contemplate, where within you do you store your regrets? Like, where, where are they? I mean, surely they reside within the very soul. The essence of who we are that we barely can access, we store them safely to carry. Most articles one can read talk about getting rid of regrets by saying, move on, get over it, either suck it up, put it behind you, life is too short, all those sorts of thoughts. But basically move on, but doesn't get rid of them. It just sets them aside in their pockets, in one's pocket. But what if they were taken away? What if you could actually get rid of your regrets? There is nothing sweeter than being forgiven for something. We may have lived with regret for only seconds. Like maybe you dropped your grandma's plate over Christmas, smash, and you thought, oh, the The world is going to end. And grandma comes in and says, don't worry. It was just a plate. Or you may have lived with regrets for months or years. And you come to a person that you have had an experience that you regret and you have the opportunity to go back. And they put put their arms around you and they say, it's okay. I forgive you. Don't regret that. Don't worry about that. You leave that situation lighter than air. To be forgiven, you just go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why? Because it's been taken away from you. There's nothing sweeter than having our regrets taken away. And that's the first, Christo- the first gift of Christmas. You see, Jesus, baby in a manger, 30-some year life, as David has said, takes away our sins and our regrets. Consider the words of John. Just listen to this for a few moments. In the beginning was the word, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus, baby in a manger, speaking of the Word. He was with God from the beginning. That may be new information to some of you. 
Some of you may say, how come Jesus, if Jesus was born years later after the earth's creation? I'll leave you to research that. But John says he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. Now listen, that's the intro. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, now contemplate our regrets, all of our experiences in the past. And John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We could just sit and contemplate that for the rest of the day. That Jesus came to take away all of our regrets, all of our, the elements of our life that we so would love to be rid of, along with everybody other, every other person, and takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, comes offering us forgiveness from our past, freedom from all of our regrets, all of our mistakes, all of our guilt. And this, this forgiveness works so much better than hand sanitizer. Don't you love the advertisement that says, hand sanitizer kills 99.99% of germs. And where do we go? Where do we go? We don't go with that and say, great, I'm essentially clean. Oh, but what about that 0.01%? Like, don't we worry about that? I mean, that must be one rotten germ. Just 0.01%. But you see, we're human. We love to go to the worry. We love to doubt. We're drawn to fear. Oh, we would say we're not. But our behavior wouldn't carry that. 99.99, but that's not the promise of Jesus. See, the forgiveness of Jesus guarantees without defect 100% of the time. So some of you may say, well, that's all very well and good, but I don't have any regrets in my life. I, don't, I, I'm, I forget it. I just get over it and move on. And some of us just haven't lived long enough yet. You see, like a little wine that tastes so good after the first glass or the second glass, after four or five or six, when the headache starts to grow, we may start to regret and learn something about what we've done. Sometimes we just haven't lived long enough 
to, re- to know and to recognize the regrets in our life. No, but Kevin, forgiveness, Jesus, babies in mangers, I just can't believe that. I mean, it's all fairy tale stuff. And of course, therein lies the problem. We read further in John chapter 3, a most famous verse, probably the world's most well-known verse in Scripture, John 3.16. We could all recite, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's a most beautiful verse. But we should pay more attention to the next two verses. So verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Okay, but verse 18 says, Whoever believes in that, whoever believes the things that I'm saying, whoever believes in Jesus, they're not condemned because they believe in Jesus. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That which we don't believe in can't hurt us, but it also can't help us. Belief is foundational, absolutely foundational in terms of our regrets and how they're dealt with. Second Corinthians says, Godly sorrow brings about repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. So we can go to sleep each night mindful of our regrets and grateful to release them to Jesus. No wonder it's recorded that the angel on the day of Jesus' birth said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The gift number one, that of forgiveness taking away our regrets, taking away our sins. So if forgiveness is our first gift, well, what about the second gift? We've got three gifts. What could possibly be the second gift? Well, as a result of forgiveness, Jesus gives us peace. It feels so good to have that weight taken from me. Like a backpack collecting weights that get heavier and heavier, then to set it down, never to be picked up again. And you've heard the story made from this pulpit before about the fellow who, sure, he's got a 50-pound backpack and it's tiring and it's heavy and he's hitchhiking and he gets a ride and he gets into the back of the truck, but he doesn't take his backpack off. He just sits there with the backpack on and we do that with our lives. We carry the regrets on and on and on to the sacrifice of the very life that God has given us. No wonder the psalmist wrote, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. And also in Psalm 23, of course, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths of His namesake, For his name's sake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I wonder if that speaks for us. When we walk through those dark valleys, do we do it with complete peace and confidence? 
And I was thinking of the, the sort of metaphorically of this. When this was written, there was no street lighting, there was no flash lighting, they barely had fire. Well, a bit of an exaggeration perhaps, but they didn't have light. And we're used to being in dark places and where's the light? I can, I can fix this, I can get out of this. That's not what the writer of Psalms says. He says, though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You may have come through dark days in 2014. You may be facing dark days in 2015. Dark valleys, dark, dark walk that you don't yet know what the outcome is going to be. Lean on this passage. Lean on this scripture. Take confidence and comfort that God walks with you. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Romans says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't put it back on again. Don't put the backpack on. And John 16 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have come over the world. I, I have overcome the world, says Jesus. No wonder when speaking of the relationship of God with his people, the writer of Deuteronomy commands Israel to remember these things. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Why? Because these things are important. As we go into a new year, what's important? As we set our goals and our planning and our strategies and our hopes and dreams for the new year, where's our focus? What are we contemplating in our lives? So if forgiveness is gift number one and peace is gift number two, what about gift number three? Jesus now hands us a third gift. He gives us the gift of hope and opportunity. The opportunity to start anew every morning. As Lamentation says, and we sang and we'll sing again, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In Romans it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. And later, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians tells us that love always hopes. And verse 13 says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And where there is hope, there is opportunity. Opportunity. When we're in our darkest moment, there's a, there's a wonderful line that says, 
Take heart, believer. The darker the night, the nearer the dawn. I remember in the 80s when the market in real estate was collapsing for three and a half years. I had that poem pinned up on my desk. Because when we're in those dark places that our life will take us through, and maybe they get darker, and still darker, but take heart, believer, the darker the night, the nearer the dawn. And the dawn provides opportunity, and some of you may be familiar with the poem by Walter Malone, Judge Walter Malone, who was from Mississippi about a hundred years ago. And this poem, I, I always thought this poem was anonymous until I actually, in preparation for this and from some other stuff, I, I decided to Google the words exactly as they were, and out pops out Walter Malone. He was a judge, died about a hundred, I think he died in 1915. Now, some of you would remember Gladys Tomlinson. How many, how many remember Gladys Tomlinson, the name? Yeah, you see a few hands around the, uh, the, the room here. Gladys Tomlinson died, I don't know what, 25 years ago, must be, it's a long time ago. She was a member of our congregation and she gave me this poem framed maybe 33 years ago. Just gave it to me. It's hung in my office ever since. Opportunity. And the poem says this, it says, They do me wrong who say I come no more. Remember, it's speaking about opportunity. They do me wrong who say I come no more for one... That, no, don't, when once I knock and fail to find you in, for every day I stand outside your door and I bid you, I bid you wake and rise and fight and win. Wail not for precious chances passed away. Weep not for golden ages on the wane. At night, I burn the records of the day. At sunrise, every soul is born again. Every soul is born again. My challenge to you this week and in the coming year is to contemplate your soul. Your soul. Where is it? What is it? It's common at this time of the year for us to reflect on the past and to anticipate the future and get so wrapped up in this world. But as we're reminded to set aside our regrets, contemplate your soul. Is it healthy? Is it strong? Or is it really quite incidental to your thoughts and of seemingly little importance to your day-to-day life? You say, soul? Who thinks about their soul? I mean, my soul will be in heaven with God. That's all right. And, you know, it was saved when I got baptized. Like, why would I contemplate my soul? Where does your integrity reside? Integrity integral, the whole of you, the fullness of you within which resides your soul. Contemplate your soul. Wayne, I'm going to have you uh, just lead us in that song again and then just close with a couple of thoughts here.
we stand on the very edge of a whole new year, on the brink of opportunity. We contemplate forgiveness. We contemplate peace. We contemplate hope and opportunity. And I leave you with you this thought. It's difficult to talk to people about spiritual things today. But perhaps it's not so difficult to ask people, tell me, do you ever have any regrets? What do you do with them? And you might find their answers to be interesting. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we just thank you for this morning, for the privilege of coming to this place in warmth and comfort, to fellowship and be encouraged by one another and encourage one another. We ask your blessing as we leave this place on our lives. With each day that you grant us, dear God, may we move and draw ever closer to you. Please guide us by your Spirit, and may we cling to the reality and our faith in Jesus. We ask your blessing upon our efforts, your forgiveness of our sins, and your guidance ever in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Go and have a wonderful New Year.